This episode is brought to you by Mac & Co Designs, the heart of country accessories and homewares. Find them online at www.macandcodesigns.com. Welcome to All Things Small Biz, a podcast to help you take the leap and run your own business from someone who has done it themselves and wants to share what they learnt with you. Hello and welcome to the All Things Small Biz podcast. My name is Sarah Hales, your host, and today we will be talking about setting up your space, some ways to do things differently, and also having multiple forms of income in your business. This will make more sense as we move through the episode and have a chat with our beautiful guest, Elise Richmond. However, first, we must chat with Brian. Hello, fans. How are we? (laughs) You think you've got fans now, Brian? Yeah, well, people are listening. People are, are getting back and they're enjoying what they're hearing. We are getting a bit of feedback about you, Brian. Good or bad, Sarah? No, it's good. It's mm-hmm. good. People like your sense of humour. Yeah. They don't have to live with you. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them wish they did. Oh, come on. Yeah, it's not yet too raunchy fans. Oh, don't say things like that. Gosh, <laughs> actually, somebody who is a long-time listener of our podcast said that sometimes they can even hear me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Righto. So, today we're going to do things slightly differently uh, and really expand on the topics that we covered in the chat with Elise. So, I recorded the chat with Elise yesterday um, and I wanted to really expand on the topics that we covered and give the listeners some practical ways that they can implement some of these ideas into their business. So, I'll hand over to you, Brian. Okay. So, today's theme is how to do things differently when setting up your space. Yes. And different and having different forms of income. Yeah. Well, that's something, um, yeah. Give, having um, different forms of income is something that I touched on in the interview with Elise. And I do want to be mindful that I don't want to go into too much depth into what we discussed because I want everybody to listen to that and hear it from Elise. But I thought it was a really interesting topic to talk about because I've done a few courses here and there over the time and they always talk about setting up multiple streams of income. And when you start to look at some of the most successful businesses in the world, they always have multiple streams of income. And I think since uh, coronavirus or COVID or whatever you want to call it, I think it's becoming apparent to people that you really need to have multiple streams of income. A backup. A bit of a backup. So if one one area of your business starts to fall down, another area of your business might really start to pick up mm-hmm. and take some of the slack. And I guess if you think about a holiday resort or um, that's probably not a good example, actually. But I've got I've got it in mind. Okay, I'm thinking about so somewhere like the Kali Hotel. We've already discussed those guys. We'll give those guys another shout out today. They obviously have done a really good job of this just recently when their business was shut down because they've got food and beverage. They have hotel motel rooms. They have campsites. They also have um, sporting complex tennis courts, etc. at their establishment. And that's 
most likely because they're quite rural and they're the centre of the little town and they have, you know, gatherings there during the week. It's like a real little hub of their little town. But during COVID, they also really ramped up their merchandise. So when you start to think about the streams of income that they've got coming in in their business, I'm not saying that the merchandise would have taken up the slack of what was going on during the time that they were closed, but it's bringing something in. You see businesses where they are a product-based business, but they also might have a course. I do that myself. I have a product-based business, but I also have a coaching side of my business. So, in your chat with Elise, her and her partner, Luke, they actually did things which sort of save their output of money. They did, yeah. They did some really, really smart things when they were setting up their space down in Tasmania. Yeah. And have you have you done any things like that in with your business? Oh, look, I have definitely done things when setting up my business. I've done them myself. Yeah. And I know that sometimes you think that they have taken me a lot longer to do than if I had have paid somebody who was professional. Mm-hmm. But- When I was starting a small business, I didn't have the money to pay for those things. The funds. Yeah. And I like my website, for example, I built my own website from scratch. I have helped multiple businesses build their own websites now off the back of that. But it took me longer. It didn't cost me as much money. Mm-hmm. But I actually think one of the key benefits that I got out of doing that myself was that now I know exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to pay a developer. I don't have to ask anyone for help. If I need something done now, I can make those changes myself. And I feel like it's a real benefit, a real point of difference for me to know exactly how that works and be able to make those changes and it saves me money in the future. And I've got a pretty good example of that. I had a girlfriend who was quoted $4,000 by a developer for her website. And when it was all said and done, she had actually paid $7,000 for her website. So almost double her original quote. And then after that, she had no knowledge of how her website worked And every time she needed to make a change, every time she needed to upload something to her website, she had to go back to the developer and they hit her with another bill. So already, let's just say she's $8,000 into her website. And at that point, you almost get to a stage where A, you feel like you can't do it. You've got no confidence. You don't have any confidence in your skills and- you're already $8,000 in the hole, so you feel like you've kind of got to stay with them because if you if you up and start again, then you've paid $8,000 for nothing sort mm-hmm. of thing. And it's just I really hate that small businesses get into positions like that because it is totally achievable to be able to manage something like your website yourself. Yeah, right. I'm on my soapbox today. Yeah, but get this up is there. A, this is a topic that I'm quite passionate about because I feel like in spaces like that where things can be a little bit technical, people take advantage of people. And I make a real effort to be very open with the information that I have and to try and share it with people because I know when I was first starting out, 
I didn't have somebody that I could call. I didn't have somebody that I could ask. And you might get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to put my credit card details in now. Is this safe? Have I done it right? You know, and it's really good to be able to have somebody in your corner who you can ask questions of and who can help you. And I really want to be that person for other small businesses so they don't feel like they have no one to talk to. Mm -hmm. Very good. So, just thinking a couple of things that you've may have handmade instead of buying, what would they be with your business? Are you going down the path that I was inspired by Elise to make my own sign? Maybe. Is that where you're going? Well, that is true. On my uh, family cattle property, we have um, some beautiful red cedar timber that we've had for a long time. And we've made some pieces of furniture and whatnot out of it. But you and I went down there to look for a piece of timber to make something for our five-year wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I found a great piece of timber and decided that based on the fact that Elise had made this great sign for their business that I too could make a sign. So off we go to the hardware store, having never used a router before in my life. I'm pretty familiar with power tools, but I have never used a router. And I printed out some stencil letters and stenciled onto my piece of timber Mm -hmm. and routed my West of the Wave sign. I'll make sure that I share it in the group so everybody can have a look at it. There's a lot of sanding involved as well. There's a lot of sanding involved, but I am so proud of that sign. Do you think it's good, Brian? I think it's a pretty good sign. Yeah, I think it's really good. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, think I'm fantastic. Well, your dad even thought it was worth a bit. I know, and that is really, really saying something. If you can get a compliment out of him, you're doing well. (laughs) It's not that he doesn't compliment people. It's that he's just not much of a talker. Oh, it's, he's got a very high standard, and if you don't reach it, you don't get a, that's well done. <laughs> anyway, I've got a compliment from Dad, so I'm pretty stoked about my sign. All right. Also, there's another thing that you made, the clothes rack. That was inspired by another friend of yours as well. Yes, absolutely. I uh, When I do a pop-up shop, I obviously need to have a clothes rack. So, off we go to the hardware store again to buy some pipe fittings and uh, manufacture myself a a beautiful clothes rack. I find sometimes when you go and you have a look at the stock standard ones that are available. They're a little bit flimsy. They're flimsy. They're ugly. Let's just face it. Like, that Mm -hmm. is the main reason. They're ugly. I don't like them. So, I have definitely got in there and- made some of my own pieces for when we do a pop-up store because if you you know you want it to look appealing Mm -hmm. I want it to be in line with my brand I want it to be at the standard that I like my brand to be at and I don't just want to buy a crappy piece I think too the more that I've done it the more confident that I've got with my ability um to do a bit of DIY what do you think yeah no you got you got good skills. So, um, what I was thinking was to line it up with our topic. So, by going out and making your own yep. uh, against buying a store-bought one, was there a- um, A cost-saving? A cost-saving? Yeah, I think so. Particularly with the sign, I think um, I've bought some- some timber pieces, you know, particularly with kids' toys, that when you actually look at them, they're not that complex to make. And yeah. my sign wasn't that complex to make. But I think I easily could have been charged 
$350 to $400 mm-hmm. for the sign. And realistically, I picked up a scrap of timber because of the shape and the size of it. Mm-hmm. It was not going to be good for furniture making or whatever. Um, so, a scrap of timber that was probably going to go on the bin or on the fire. And um, I made something really beautiful out of it. And I think that if I had have gone to someone and had that done professionally, yeah, I think it could have even been upward of 400. What do you think? Yeah. But- it didn't. It, it cost me my time, really, to make it. And the router. And then, with respect to my clothes rack, again, I think because of the size of it uh, and the fact that it's probably, you know, a bit industrial um, with the plumbing, piping, and whatnot, I think that potentially I could have, I could have paid a few hundred. I don't know. What would you say that thing would be worth, Brian? Oh, I think at least $300. Yeah, whereas the parts to make it cost me about $160. Yeah. And the time, it really only took us about an hour. Yeah, it didn't take too long. The um the other costs that you probably haven't factored in there was in that, that day that we thought we'd we'd turn it over and we flicked her into the wall <laughs> <laughs> just after we'd got our walls painted. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's not like there's a hole. It's a bit of a scuff mark, but it was annoying because it was only a few weeks after we'd had the wall painted because the kids had made marks everywhere and then the adults come along and they bloody put a hole, put a mark I think on we the need to take a photo of it and just get a bit of a measurement for a scuff. To see what everyone thinks. We need to get some feedback on it. We need to know whether people think it's a scuff or a dent. This episode is brought to you by Mac & Co Designs, the heart of country accessories and homewares. Find them online at www.macandcodesigns.com. I know I briefly introduced Elise at the top of the podcast, but I just wanted to expand a little further. Elise is a wife, an adventurer, and a committed health and fitness advocate. But above all, she's a beautiful person inside and out. So Elise, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. I'm thrilled to have a chat with you. I'm not quite sure where to start today, but there's a lot to cover. Maybe could you start by telling us what you were doing before you met your husband, Luke? Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Uh, before I met my husband, wow, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I was trying to be a full-time personal trainer. I was just working in a big gym in Sydney City, doing the old wake up at 4.30, take all my clients through, have my break in the middle of the day, and then um, do a big session in the afternoon with all my clients and get home at nine o'clock and then just, you know, sucking in the rat, rat race and trying to make some money, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Well, parts of it would be awesome, but yeah. also parts of it would be not so awesome. <laughs> and um, the health and fitness industry or the health and fitness lifestyle, that's something that you've always been involved in from a young age? I want to say yes. I was really heavily involved in athletics when I was younger and my first career, I guess you could say, was um, an attempt to be a professional dancer. So that side of fitness was always a oh, part of my oh. world. Um, when I realized I wasn't going to make any money trying to be a Broadway star, I sort of diverted into personal training. And that's when I delved further into the nutritional side of things and um, just understanding the body at a, a deeper level and understanding how to push my athletic abilities 
uh, to their max as well. Yeah, amazing. And you've done some pretty amazing things with your fitness. Um, I like to think so. <laughs> There's definitely more um, room to wiggle, I think. But yeah, I, I delved into bodybuilding and powerlifting and CrossFit quite heavily and really tried to push my limits there. And then mm-hmm. um, discovered my husband and, and the world of adventures. So um, that's where I've been focusing my attention athletically for the last few years. Yeah, amazing. So when you met Luke, that's when you got roped into the adventures. You hadn't done any adventures before you met him? No, not technically. I'd always had an adventurous spirit. So I'd always loved to travel. I'd never felt comfortable just sitting in one spot. Um, I'd worked on cruise ships. I'd done a lot of travel all around the world, backpacking. Uh, and I knew I was, I was sort of just coming off the back of a, an old relationship where it was very much let's get married, let's have kids, let's buy a house, let's settle down. And deep down, that felt really wrong. But I just was like, oh, I guess that's the way. And then um, this Luke guy comes along and mm. says there's a different way to do things. And I'm like, oh, that just, it just felt so right. Um, so, yeah, he definitely showed me a different way at a really good time in my life. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so whilst we're on the topic of Luke... I did just want to take the opportunity to mention some of his books because I've read his books and I'm waiting for number three. How far away do you think number three is? Oh, well, look, because his books are about adventures um, and a lot of those are overseas adventures, because of COVID, it's kind of put a standstill on the amount of stories that we can actually accumulate to put in a book. So he's three chapters in to book number three. Um, but we need, uh, we need the world to open up a little bit so we can start making some new chapters, essentially. Yeah. So it's Luke Richmond. And what are the titles of the books again? One's Vodka and Sandstorms. Yeah, Vodka and Sandstorms is book number two. Book number one is One Life, One Chance. So it, they don't need to be read in order, but the first That's book, true. One Life, One Chance, gives you a bit of a background into Luke and his uh, military service in the beginnings and and growing up in the outback and how he sort of stumbled into the world of adventures. And then managed to rope you in along the way. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And, um, yeah, book number two heavily features his wife, which is me. So it's definitely a good read, that one. Yeah, good. And can you tell us one of your most amazing adventures? Oh, wow. Um, So... Our last adventure before COVID hit the world was October 2019. Well, our last big adventure, and that was over in Nepal, attempting to climb a couple of mountains, Lobache East and Amadablam. Uh, and that was my first ever mountain attempt. So it was a very rude introduction to mountaineering. Amadablam is a really technical mountain, um, so a lot of sort of vertical ice climbing. Uh, and I got so sick. <laughs> it was brutally sick. And um, although we didn't make the summit, it was definitely one of the most breathtaking and inspiring adventures I've ever gotten to partake in. So it's still on the list, that old Armour Dublin. To go back and conquer the summit. So I guess to kind of segue into um, what I wanted to talk to you about today with your and Luke's business, when did you start working with Ken and Nikki Ware um, and the Neurophysics program? Yeah, so 
Luke actually introduced me to Ken and Nikki. Luke had met them way back in, I think it's 2011 maybe. And he was just training at their gym out in Emerald. And then uh, Luke introduced me to the two around 2014 when we first met. So I didn't really understand anything about neurophysics therapy. I was definitely intrigued, uh, but it just, it wasn't really, it wasn't really on my radar until um, I saw Luke, Luke um, rode across the Atlantic Ocean and he came back in a very disheveled way. And I saw him doing the neurophysics therapy as a means to recover. Uh, and it really started to spark my attention. And so started delving deeper mm-hmm. into it. I got a closer introduction to Ken after an injury doing CrossFit. And he took me through some sessions and I was like, oh, this is, this is something special. And then soon after, Ken opened up his education side and learning to become a neurotrician and started studying in 2017 and finished my studies last year. Wow, that's amazing because, you know, I feel similar to you. Well, probably different really. I obviously have suffered quite a significant injury um, to my eye and I had been through the absolute Mm. ringer with the medical side of things. I've had, you know, brain scans and lumbar punctures and all kinds of things and nothing was ever turning up. So I was at my absolute Mm. wits end and then was introduced or I guess the program was, you know, brought into my realm. And then as it turned out, uh, Ken knew my mother since they were kids. They went to yeah. the same school together. So it was only, you know, one step away, I guess. I'd always known his name being a local to Mackay. And I have just found the therapy for me to be life-changing. 100%. And like you just explained, it's oftentimes the last resort for people. And it's kind of a last-ditch effort, just, oh, I might as well try this thing, and it becomes the only thing they'll ever need again. So it's it's a pretty special and incredible therapy. Yeah, unbelievable. And so once you finished your training, or was it before you finished your training, that you and Luke decided um, to to take that a step further and to open your own clinic? (laughs) Uh, I think we always had it in the back of our minds. We both started studying at the same time. Um, We always knew we wanted a small therapy studio um, similar to Ken's up on the Gold Coast, but we hadn't actually bought our property down in Tasmania Mm -hmm. when we started studying. We bought that about halfway through and we really, we knew we wanted a gym facility, uh, but it definitely evolved into becoming more neurophysics therapy therapy focused as our studies unfolded and we saw the need for this therapy to be, you know, universal. Um, So every pocket of the world, including Port Arthur, Tasmania. So it definitely evolved into that space as our studies evolved as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, as you know, I, I also started the study and I don't, I'm not quite finished yet. I'm probably halfway through, but I feel exactly like you. I feel like somebody, I keep saying that, don't I? I feel exactly like you. I feel like as somebody who has gone through what I have gone through and it was 10 years from when I suffered my injury 
um, to when I found Ken and Nikki, and it was my last option. It was almost like my last resort. I feel like I need to be able to bring that to people quicker. I want people to know that it's there and know that it's available. I don't necessarily know if I would make the greatest therapist, but I think that having that deeper level of understanding of what I'm doing and why it's working is just so beneficial mm, to me. Definitely. And having that, having gone through the pro- programs yourself is just so different to, you know, just strolling in and, and expecting someone to take up a program that you've never experienced yourself. That empathy and that sympathy with people is, um, is so beneficial. And it's just, it's really just about being a good person and being able to relate to people and, and be socially aware enough to know when a person can push and when a person can pull. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you guys come to be looking for property in Tasmania? I know that Tasmania features quite heavily in Luke's books as somewhere where you have um, done a few adventures. Yeah, we came down here on a base jumping trip um, and a climbing and hiking trip just for 10 days. We'd never been here before and we just fell in love with it. And um, we had wanted to buy some land and we knew we wanted a big block of land, water, and that was just not going to happen anywhere else in Australia, essentially for the price that we were willing to pay. And yeah, we just kept an eye out online and this is all Mm pre-COVID, of course, when prices weren't through the roof and found this little piece of paradise right down at the base of Tasmania. So it just, we walked into the driveway and it just felt like home. Oh, that's amazing. So you've got um, some acreage, but you also have a surf beach, essentially. You can go surfing at the edge of your own property, can't you? (laughs) I don't know about surf. It's very flat. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, I'm watching you online thinking that you're going down there and catching waves at lunchtime. So... We do. We just have a little drive. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And um, so when you were looking for that real estate, did you have it in the back of your mind that you were going to be setting up um, your facility on that block of land? We knew we would be setting up some type of training place. At the time, it wasn't neurophysics because we'd just been working in Thailand. We were more directed towards that sort of retreat feel with more sort of huffy puffy grunty grindy kind of athletic uh, type of fitness whereas it definitely evolved uh, to become the neurophysics center which uh, was a different sort of layout but in the at the end of the day we just wanted we knew health and fitness was always going to be a part of our lives so we always wanted a gym for ourselves and then as we start to knew we started to meet the community and knew that there was a desperate need for neurophysics down in this particular part of the world or everywhere in the world, really. Yeah, everywhere in the world. And I think, I mean, I enjoy going over to the gym, but because neurophysics therapy becomes such a part of your life and it's something that you can go to, uh, you know, every day, um, it would be so nice to have everything you needed right in your backyard. Oh, it's, it's been incredible. We've recently only just finished it. So it's maybe been uh, three months or so since we've completed building a gym from scratch. So we did groundwork, slab, shed, colorbond shed. We put up ourselves. 
We sourced all the equipment all around Australia to make sure we had the exact pieces we wanted. And they were all secondhand. Um, we re-sprayed them, re-put um, new bolts in everything. So it was very hands-on, but you walk into that space and you just, every every day we just say, this is just incredible. And it makes you want to train, even though we always train every day anyway, but it's just so motivating when you've built something from the ground up, like any small business, to to want to put back into it as well. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that's what I was going to ask you is specifically about um, setting up your space because I've been watching your journey and I know that you've made some really, really smart choices with respect to, you know, how you've done it. You've you've taken basically a shed and you've lined it and you've um, sourced secondhand equipment. You've done a lot of that yourself, like you were saying, right down to the sign. And I love that you shared that you got a quote of about $1,600. So you went out and bought the equipment and made Essentially, it's like a laser cut sign, but you did it with a grinder and it looks so smick. How how <laughs> did you know where to look or, you know, how did you come to know what you needed for your therapy centre? So, we'd always had gyms. So, Luke and I, well, Luke mainly had two gyms in Sydney. We've always worked in gyms. We knew Ken and Nikki intimately. We knew their facility and what they had um, being in their downstairs of their own property, a small space, really intimate. Um, and particularly, we've used a lot of equipment in our lives as well. Uh, yeah. So we knew equipment-wise that the old school stuff, and it was this stuff that was built in Mackay back, way back by this old codger, and this stuff, this cow gym stuff is still lurking around. And we knew we desperately wanted that stuff. So, you know, where you would pay $15,000 for one piece of equipment, we could get these for $300. We just had to do the legwork, which was loading up a trailer and driving around Australia with uh, a Beverly Hillbillies sort of look about us, just with piles and piles <laughs> of equipment. But, you know, it saved us tens of thousands of dollars and we we knew we wanted um, to build a shed so we just wanted a simple construction um, we got a quote for putting up the shed which was sixteen thousand dollars and we were just like that's ridiculous we're not going to pay that so Luke actually offered the shed builder company to come and help and work for free to learn how to put up a shed um, and he did that for three days and then we built the shed ourselves, basically. That's so smart. So it was little things like that to save on big bucks. We'd, we've learned in the past, you know, you get a website designer and then it's just like having a lawyer. You have to pay them every time they you want something changed. And, well, okay, there's beautiful things like Wix and Squarespace now where you can design your own and it's, there's templates and if you take the time to sit there and figure it out, well, now you're in control and you pay your $300 a year and you want something changed, you can change it on the spot and you don't have to pay anyone. So all those little yeah, things exactly. really add up. And I myself have um, a Shopify store. So my, my website is Shopify and exactly mm. that, templates and 
you can manage it yourself. And I, I know when I was starting out with my business, I didn't want to get into that trap. And, you know, you've got to think about what your website needs to do. It doesn't need to be whiz-bang. It just needs to sell your product or tell people what your product is and direct people to the right spot to be able to get in contact with you and buy what you're selling. So yeah, absolutely. I think we've really overcomplicated things. But, you know, YouTube is a beautiful thing. We spent so much time. We we walled out our shed um, with plywood and we got quoted something ridiculous for doing it. Someone else coming in and doing it. We're like, no, 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 we can do this. <laughs> and we just spent time YouTube YouTubing it. And, you know, we saved ourselves $15,000. So That's amazing. And then you get to walk into your space and go, we built this with our hands from scratch. We didn't pay anyone else anything to be able to walk into this beautiful gym and then also give it to our community as well. And being based in Tasmania, you have a different feature in your gym. You have a potbelly stove. (laughs) A must in every Tasmanian space. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's labour intensive on the wood chopping side, but it's just such a beautiful ambient feeling and you would know yourself that calmness and that composure within a neurophysics space is just so beneficial and to have people, particularly people that we hope to get flying in from other states like Queensland, uh, we don't want them to be freezing their little patoochies off while they're going through the therapy. Yeah, I I fully intend on coming to visit your centre. Oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> And um, so what piece of advice would you give to somebody who was looking to set up a new business premise? Ooh, well, I think for us, the beauty of it all was we now have a facility on our property. So we don't pay rent. We aren't beholden to anyone. It's there for the public to use is a really, obviously we live in a, a very small community, so it's a bit different from a big city, but that saving on rent is just unbelievable. So, you know, if you can build your business or have your business from your home space and save that money that would go to thousands and thousands of dollars of rent, we sort of learned that lesson in Sydney where we were paying $20,000 rent a week to have a gym and you just have that that pressure to perform and to to pay that rent before you're even making a dollar. Now everything that comes into the gym is is just profit. It's just cream, uh, and that's that's a really beautiful feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And in another one of the episodes, I was talking to Nick, who owns a business called Camp Draft Oz. And he's similar. He lives on a cattle property, but he was able to build himself. Um, well, he looked at options of having his products warehoused in Brisbane or Sydney in the major cities where they're in a distribution centre and someone else picks and packs the order. But that obviously mm. comes with quite a significant cost, whereas he was able to build himself a shed on his property, line it, uh, have aircon, and he's got a big packing table. So he's essentially created his own workshop. But like you're saying, doesn't have to pay rent, doesn't have those ongoing costs. So it was almost a no brainer mm. for him, you know, to make, and it actually makes his business run smoother and he's more efficient and he's more productive and he's been able to have more products because he's been able to create himself this perfect space for his business. Yep. Definitely. So your facility in Tasmania is called Calibrate Tasmania. So let's just 
let the listeners know a little bit about what you actually do and also if they're looking for you, where can they find you? Yeah, so Calibrate Tasmania is our our main facility down in the Tasman Peninsula. But essentially what Luke and I are looking to do with uh, neurophysics is to be a fly-in, sort of a FIFO uh, neurophysics therapist. So we're looking to fly to people in their hometowns uh, and take people through the therapy. Oftentimes it's not feasible to get, particularly with COVID now, to get to the facility. Um, and we are more than happy to travel to people. So we're really looking to push our therapies to people and make sure that they know how to train in their own home gym with whatever access they have because it's all it's all well and good to come down to this beautiful space in Tasmania where it's quiet and you're surrounded by bush. But, you know, life is busy and life is hectic and oftentimes people are going to have to train in gyms where there's loud music and huffing and puffing and grunting and um, they're going to have to try to create a space within that within that space to stay composed and relax. So we want to take people straight away in that sort of position and and move them forward from there. Oh, that's beautiful. That actually makes so much sense. Mm. We found that sort of a, lo- a big block for people with the training in a space where it's Ken and Nikki's or it's down here and it's really it's really conducive to that composure. But then all of a sudden they're thrown in back to their Sydney or Melbourne hustle and bustle and it's really hard to to find a rhythm there. So we want to sort of start that in their hometown. Beautiful. And you can tack a few adventures on as you're travelling around. Always an adventure to be had. I've I've already calculated something in my mind here because, as you know, we have a a cattle station in central Queensland and there's a few adventures to be had up here, so I may have to organise a visit. Oh, well, we will always tackle any sort of adventure that gets thrown at us. So if you have a little suggestion, I'm more than willing to take it on. (laughs) And... um, Elise, can you just tell us a little more about some of the health programs um, and nutrition programs that you offer? Yeah, so I'm obviously in the in the sort of process of moving everything towards neurophysics therapy, but I've been in this space for about 12 years now. So I do have my own website, Elise Rose Richmond, where I do offer nutrition and training and that side of things. A lot of my stuff is focused around rebuilding or building back up after expeditions or after an injury, after an illness, after uh, a long period of time off training. So that's where a lot of my sort of focus is now. It's less about, you know, the the standard weight loss and looking good in a bikini and and more about just being a robust and, and capable human. Yeah, amazing. Do you find that you have to do some rebuilding after some of your adventures? Yeah, after every adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays, we tend to pick the more extreme versions of adventures. And a lot of the time, the sort of average time is between one month to two months um, and really quite challenging situations. So we do find we lose a lot of muscle mass. We get little niggles in our knees and hips and 
all those kind of things. We're not necessarily eating very well on trips. Uh, so coming back and now having our very own neurophysics therapy, we found even after this last trip, this is the first time we've had a full gym at our disposal to be able to do the neurophysics therapy programs properly. Uh, and we've, we feel better than ever. So the proof's in the pudding. Absolutely. I've kept wanting to mention it throughout the whole chat, but I think that one of my favorite adventures, and Luke told me that I was a nutcase and that this, this particular adventure was supposed to put me off and that maybe I might be a little bit crazy as well. But when you went through um, the desert in Mongolia, I just loved that. It sounded right up my alley. <laughs> well, we have all the GPS coordinates for you. I'll send them over and you can just replicate it all. I'm pretty sure our carts are still over there too. <laughs> ah, so you basically walked, it was almost 1,800 kilometres, wasn't it? Yeah, 1,800 kilometres. We walked from the west of Mongolia in the Altai Mountains to the east um, and passing through Dilungazar down the bottom. So we could only get so close to the Chinese border. So it was, it was basically the, the Mongolian side of the Gobi Desert. And yeah, it took us 56 days, I think. And you would have been through some extreme, well, I know because I read the book, but extreme weather. And also because I've been to Beijing and hopped over into Mongolia and stayed uh, in, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but accommodation, a facility. It wasn't it wasn't a resort, but beautiful garden type situation with paths between all of these little, oh, I don't even know the word that I'm looking for, but it was absolutely freezing and there was snow on the ground. Yeah, the, um, the extremes in Mongolia are second to none. So their winters are minus 50, their summers can reach 45 degrees Celsius. And we experienced everything <laughs> the desert could throw at us from snow to just debilitating heat some days where we literally had to just pull up and sit under our carts because it was just too hot. And then the sandstorms and, yeah, it just kept coming at us. But these nomadic people that live out there just tackle these huge differences between seasons with smiles on their faces and no more than a little yurt to live in. So it's pretty incredible to meet these nomad families out there as well. Oh, incredible. So in addition to um, people being able to find you at Calibrate Tasmania, your health programs, where can they buy Luke's books? So Luke's book is available if you happen to find yourself in Hobart and it's a Saturday, you can dawdle on down to the Salamanca market but he also sells them online at olockadventures.com. So O-L-O-C, Adventures, One Life, One Chance. One Life, uh, One Chance. Well, Elise, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast today. I always love catching up with you, and I think you guys have just done the most amazing job, and I will definitely be down there one day uh, to check out what you have built. Oh, please do. I'll light the fire for you so you're not cold. Fabulous. I will need that. I will probably also want to drag a little blanket in there so that I can just stare at it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay too. Thanks for having me, Sarah. <laughs> oh. 
Okay, and today's wrap-up snap quiz. Now, as we know, this is everyone's favourite part of the day. Is it? Well, it's mine. So... I'm glad, are... I'm glad you've done a little bit of prep for the podcast today because normally you're just acting the goat and I'm the one doing all the prep. I've prepped up. So, the first question, what is better, saving time or saving money? Oh, look, I think that that is directly related to where you're at in your business because if you are in the infantile stages of your business and you don't have a lot of money to spend... It is way better to save money. But if you are further down the track and you are making a profit and your time could be best spent somewhere else, then I think it's better to save time. Yeah. Don't know if it's just a straight up one or the other type call. I think it's really dependent on where you're at with your business. Yeah. for, For me- I can answer this for you. You are going to say it is better to save time. Why? I don't know, but I, mean, I just know. Because I like to have the time to go and do. It's different for you because your businesses are your enjoyment. Yeah, you enjoy doing them, so that's it's more of more of it's more of a fun thing for you. When when I'm doing uh, a business, or, or uh, it's more probably related to work. If I'm doing things, I want to save time because I want to be able to finish the task and get on to something else that I really want to do. Mm. Yeah, but there and again, when you're working for like a a major company, um, your time is more valuable to them because if they've employed you to do a job and you're doing um, a job that's below below your skill set or you could pay a contractor to come in and do that job cheaper than you could and then you could be focused on something else, then the saving of time Mm -hmm. is more important to that company. But what I'm saying with me is that when I'm very first starting up and I don't have any capital backing and I don't have the backing of a major company and I'm not turning a profit in, you know, that first while of your business, it was better for me to save the money because- you know, you, you're also in the headspace when you're starting out as to whether or not it's going to work, whether or not it's going to go anywhere. So, yeah. yeah, definitely in the infantile stages of my business because I was just winging it, um, it was better for me to save the money. But now I'm definitely getting to the point where it's better to save the time because my time could be better spent on a different part of the business. Okay. Well, you answered the next question, which I had written down, which is- Ooh, I'm ahead of the game. If you were to start another business, would you be more hands, more or less hands-on? Oh, I think my answer's the same. Mm-hmm. It depends. Like if I, was, if I was turning a profit straight away and my time could be best spent um, growing the business or whatever, then yeah, definitely save the time. But if I wasn't turning a profit and I needed to get things up and running- I think that I should definitely try and save the money. Okay. So, this is time for the controversial question of the week. Uh Uh-huh. Are you more handy than I? Oh, definitely me. (laughs) Hang on. A hundred percent. What? You're good with spanners and stuff like that, but I have got talents in abundance. Yes. He is going to disagree with me. Look, we'll get a few videos happening. We'll set up a few tasks. And we'll work out the listeners can have their say. Oh, you were bloody asking for it there. 
You you just wanted me to praise you and say how handy you are. I mean, you're pretty handy, but- I've got two of them. I'm also pretty handy. You've got two of them. Could you- Have you got it within you to give me a compliment? Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you You do. are a very neat <laughs> individual and you have some skills with- Equipment. That is a compliment. It's similar to the compliment that your father would give you. <laughs> that is a compliment sort of under the cover of a criticism. Well, thank you all so, so much for listening. As I was saying in the previous segment, please make sure you jump on and follow us on both social media, uh, all things Small Biz Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a message with any questions that you've got, any feedback, but also tell us about your business so that we can give you a shout out and we definitely want to make sure we shout out your wins. Thank you so much for listening. Ta-ta. Thanks for listening to All Things Small Biz. You can get more tips and find out about all the latest stuff we've got going on at the All Things Small Biz Instagram page. We'd love you to follow us. Or you can jump onto the website, www.allthingsmallbizpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.